0: Crypto Watch is presented by TheConstantInvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month, and now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Alan Kohler here with this week's Crypto Watch, and today we've got Steve Vallis, who is the principal of an agency called Honey Digital, and he also runs a conference called the Blockchain APAC, which is coming up next this month in August. And uh, Steve's got his feet on the ground when it comes to cryptocurrencies and blockchain. Well worth listening to. He's Steve Vellas. If you had to nominate a business that would go with blockchain first, in a way that uh, that most people would see and understand, what do you think that might be?
1: I think the most obvious ones are supply chain businesses, just keeping track of the carriage of products from from end to end and then finding the opportunity to eliminate issues of shrinkage and loss and theft through a process so any supply chain business i think is the obvious one on.
0: and how does the uh, when explain to us how block uh, supply chain benefits how a supply chain will switch to a blockchain
1: well at the front end the issue primarily is one of identity and proving ownership so everything starts with that carriage can you identify whose the product is where it originates and through the process of delivery you'll often find the case that you need to verify again ownership you need to verify again uh, where the product is so at any point in time if you can increase data along the way that confirms what that is you find yourself in a position where you're better versed to make to take advantage of a bunch of things
0: and and why would do you think supply chains switch to blockchain is it simply for cost savings or are they more secure
1: I think the cost saving is, is the obvious thing. It's a little bit easier for people to talk about saving costs and efficiencies than it is about transforming businesses in their entirety. So most businesses will move towards options that are more efficient rather than saying, let's transform. So I think that's the appeal. That's what makes it more generally accessible to that sort of business.
0: And do you think that eventually we'll see real estate? So something that people, every, everyone does is buy and sell a house. Do you think that at some point conveyancing of real estate will switch to a blockchain?
1: I think real estate is a a very obvious use case. I mean, there's obviously a lot of uh, reticence on the part of real estate uh, just to change the model. But a lot of the information that's provided in a real estate sort of setting is well suited to the technology. As a a simple example, when it comes to bidding and the authenticity of of pricing and bidding and not just going out to a bunch of different places trying to elicit the best price, the technology will allow you to make confirmed bids. You might be in a position where you're forced to stake your position It'll be anonymized, There'll be a number there. So real, estates will be, real estate agents will be uh, precluded or have, will have difficulty in trying to play off uh, bidders and sellers against each other. You'll have a price, it'll commit, it'll be committed into a smart contract potentially. And if the criteria is met, the winner wow. is, uh, is released.
0: To what extent do you think that um, the use of blockchain is going to be tied to the success or otherwise of Bitcoin? I mean, um, obviously, the the price of Bitcoin fell a fair bit. It's come back a bit up above 8,000. Now it's gone down below 8,000. Do you think that that is going to be in any way some kind of determinant of the use of blockchain?
1: No, I, I don't. And the simple reason is there's a, a lot of confusion about what uh, Bitcoin and blockchain are and how they combine. I, I generally describe it as a little bit of a slider. At the one end of the spectrum, Bitcoin is. Is the purest view in theory of what the blockchain technology is. You talk about decentralised and, and immutable. Uh, you talk about pseudo anonymous, etc. That's what people aspire to at the enterprise level, at the business level. Those elements aren't quite as appealing, and the conversations in most rooms are mixed. People are often talking about enterprise solutions where uh, the businesses that run those sorts of uh, those sorts of uh, uh, businesses say we need to know who's involved. We want permissioned access now that's not the same as the bitcoin end which is we want people to be anonymized so that confusion in rooms has been prevalent and hopefully over time it'll uh, it'll diminish
0: but it's an understandable confusion because as you say i mean the whole thing about cryptocurrencies or one of them is uh, being anonymous and one of the uses of bitcoin and other cryptos is to kind of avoid being known about for tax purposes or whatever Uh, whereas the use of blockchain in supply chains and, and, um, you know, transactions and so on is about some sort of immutable identity.
1: At the enterprise level, Alan, primarily what those businesses want are certainty. And they they do permission access in. They don't want people to come onto the system. They don't feel to participate in the information sharing unless they understand who it is. So when people talk about blockchain at the enterprise level, often they mean DLT, they mean distributed ledger technology. It's effectively taking some of the elements of a Bitcoin style protocol, but modifying it to suit the requirements of a larger business.
0: Right. So so you presumably get a lot of companies coming to you, you know, wanting to find out about blockchain or know whether they should be using it. What do you tell them?
1: I tell them they're gonna they're gonna to struggle to find the resources to deploy. I mean the technology is so nascent at the moment that it's more about a conversation and a and a product roadmap. I found myself in a lot of rooms with with people who are running scale businesses who don't want to tell the world how little they know. And that's because the resourcing isn't there and the technology is too immature. So you can't effectively at the moment run anything at production, or most businesses that are talking about a production scale blockchain, they really don't exist because most businesses won't take that leap. So larger products, larger businesses uh, such as IBM that are working with the Hyperledger sort of protocol a lot of the businesses they're working with are not quite into production. They're, a lot of them are described as shadow production. They're effectively running side by side, but no one is willing to make that leap yet. So it's more a discussion at this point in time, and it's more about people uh, claiming a seat at the table.
0: Well, there's also a lot of bulldust, I imagine, people tr- pretending they know something that they don't. Uh,
1: absolutely. And the difficulty is, I had a conversation relatively recently with a a big four participant and they talked about everything being a scam. And I, and I made the point, a lot of them are just bad ideas. This is a difficulty. The technology is so difficult to understand that people have, uh, they, they overlay what they understand of a business and a business concept and they add blockchain and they genuinely of the belief that it'll make it better. But there's no capacity to roll these businesses out at scale. So a, a, an example for me are businesses where we're trying to incentivize people where they say, suddenly we're going to gamify your business. We're going to allow you to... Uh, sit at home and watch a video, we're going to pay you to do it. That's not really a scalable business. If that's what uh, all you need to do in order to to run a business and to have some success, that'd be great. But it's a fantasy at this point in time to be able to monetize that kind of a business model. So they're just bad business ideas, and most of them, as you've seen in the last six to 12 months, die a very quick death. And I think that's the natural course of the evolution of this technology.
0: But in a way, what you're talking about is is the fact that... um... A lot of the scams that, when a lot of the scams that do exist with ICOs and cryptocurrencies, um, is giving blockchain itself a bad name.
1: It is, and that's the, it is the unfortunate bit because people led with uh, the Bitcoin and the currency option. I mean, the fact the fact that it was unfettered, all of the all the back channel conversations, the conversations that we're having in Telegram Telegram groups, they were notionally unsophisticated investors, but there were a lot of things that wouldn't play in the real world. You couldn't do the pump and dump type. Scheme and scam that uh, that other people were doing in that space in a in a mature market, and the difficulty was the regulation. The regulation is just not keeping up, and that's that's one of the things that we recognise is going to be a real challenge for for government in the next uh, three to six months.
0: Yeah, I read this morning about someone who'd said that they'd found a um, a Russian ship at the bottom of the ocean with 130 billion dollars worth of gold on board. Um, but it turned out it was, uh, it was a scam designed with an ICO on top. Someone was going to have a cryptocurrency which, enabled, which uh, entitled the holder of the tokens to um, get a share of the gold.
1: <laughs> there, there are a lot out there, and I guess the, the challenge for governments is they tend to have very blunt tools to deal with this, and there's a, there's a real issue for governments to come out at the moment and say this is illegal and you shouldn't do it because, understandably, there's an incentive for governments at the moment to be leaders in this space, otherwise avoid uh sorry otherwise experience uh capital risk because businesses are just moving very quickly if they don't like the jurisdiction if they don't like the direction and the signals being given by government they're just moving to other jurisdictions very quickly so the velocity of money and the velocity of being able to move a business model that is effectively global um, creates real issues for, for governments from a regulatory perspective
0: well in fact um uh, some governments and central banks are investigating using blockchain themselves. Are you familiar with what's going on around the world at that level in the use of blockchain?
1: Yeah, with a lot of the a lot of the governments are looking at it uh, from the perspective again of of cost minimisation. A lot of it's jaw boning at this point in time because I think from a jurisdictional point of view it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a race to establish uh, credibility. For the most part, no one's talking about creating a digital fiat version. I think there's been some early chatter about that, but. Governments generally have sort of backed away from that uh, from that prospect. Uh, there's a double-edged sword for governments. It makes, on one side, so for example, an organisation like the Australian Taxation Office, there'd be much greater transparency at both sides. So being able to to lodge in real time uh, is is of great benefit for the ATO. But similarly, from a regulatory point of view, you need to be as responsive as you are potentially punitive. So if you can lodge quickly, you need to then on the flip side, be able to, uh, to process these things for the benefit of uh, consumers uh, as quickly as well. So it is, doub- it is a double-edged sword for governments.
0: Do you think it makes sense long-term for, for tax to be on blockchain?
1: I, I think most of these things will move on. I think that the breadth, the breadth of this space is, can you make things faster, more efficient, and, and less costly? So I, I genuinely believe, I am a true believer in that respect, that almost everything related to data will move towards a blockchain-enabled type protocol in the future. Because you do eliminate that inefficiency. There's a simple example of an insurance POC that was done out of, out of the UK where uh, an insurance policy was related to the timing of planes taking off. And if the planes didn't take off, then in theory, um, an insurance payout was due. Now, I think the test allowed, to, allowed the business to eliminate all of the cost of admin. It just connected the information that said plane on the tarmac, uh, didn't go beyond a, per, a particular time, it paid out and it's a much more effective way because most of the costs or a lot of the costs associated with these businesses
0: are administrative. Yeah, so I suppose with a lot of these things, um, it uh, uh, with technology particularly, it just takes longer than you think, doesn't it? So it's probably, it I mean, uh, p- people tell me that data is all the data in the world is going to go on blockchain eventually, but it's probably going to take much longer than anyone thinks.
1: I think it will, Alan. This is one of the challenges. I've been, in, I was in the digital sort of strategy space and, and talking about the way people communicate in general. And there was always a theory that this technology would uh, would evolve and be deployed very quickly. Blockchain technology won't. It's too complicated for most people to get. The user experience at the moment is so terrible that there is no confidence. You go to the internet, and you type in something into your browser, and it's delivered, and you don't give it a second thought. But the prospect of typing in a number. But where does your money go can you be sure it got there that's that's years away and even something like the ethereum uh, platform when they when the tech guys talk about their product role a lot of the really important uh, iterations of the product they sort of acknowledge will be 18 24 and 36 months from now so there is no quick path to this i think there'll be small elements of the tech that work for businesses and they'll embrace them but the big picture i think likely is probably 5 years away if not longer
0: so you've got a uh, conference coming up this month uh, who are some of the speakers you've got um, speaking at, at the blockchain apac conference
1: i've i've got uh, what i've tried to do is i've hit the, the headline issues because a lot of the, a lot of the themes across the uh, the industry are the same so i've got subject matter experts we're talking about supply chain and logistics we'll talk about the regulatory environment financial services uh, impact digital identity I think we've got speakers from from PwC and Deloitte who are who are going to be present. Uh, We've got from a university and from an education perspective, we've got speakers from Melbourne University and RMIT who will be talking about what the impact is on the education side. Uh, We've got people from Austrade, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of high profile enterprise businesses that are all effectively staking their place in the community and talking about what they're doing because no one can do it on their own. And that's one of the real challenges here. What I've what I've found about the technology primarily is because most of it is open source you can't do what you normally do if you're a large business large businesses normally sit and wait for a solution to be developed and then they purchase it they license it they warehouse it here you need to pick a side and the picking of the side is where the real challenge is in Australia as well who do you trust to develop this well so Uh, which
0: what are the sides what's it out of in terms of sides
1: when I think about when I talk about sides, I mean, what platform do you think is likely to evolve? What use case? So, a, a, a good example is the Ethereum protocol, is one that a lot of people believe um, will uh, will scale quite well. And then the flip side might be something like Hyperledger that I mentioned, which is an enterprise solution. So, as a business, you say, do you want to contribute and participate in the improvement of? the uh, the ethereum option or do you think there's effectively a more proprietary style um approach that suits your business so effectively choosing the tech that you think is going to be best suited but at the moment there's so much uncertainty about what that is businesses are more often than are sitting on their hands
0: yeah it sounds a bit like um uh the difference between um uh, the uh, what's that uh, um in the uh, open source office type software and microsoft Unix and, and that's, that's, Unix, and, and, and Microsoft.
1: That's exactly what's happening. And, and it's happening at scale this time. I don't think this has ever been seen in this regard. When when In the community, in the blockchain community, when someone is developing software or protocol that is proprietary, for the most part, it's being shunned. People are saying, it's not open, we can't see it, we can't test it, and, and there's a lot of distrust in relation to it. It's a little bit of anathema with respect to what the, what the purest view of blockchain tech is. So if you try to do your own thing... You tend to uh, you tend to run out of resources. That's the that's the mm. biggest challenge that most of these businesses have.
0: Well, really good to talk to you, Steve. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Alan. Appreciate the Tom.
0: That was Steve Vallis, the principal of Honey Digital. And now it's time for this week's CryptoWatch Market Wrap with market commentator Saeed Sadawi.
2: The biggest news this week includes the Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, has rejected a second ETF attempt by the industry-renowned Winklevoss twins. Triggering a short-lived sell-off, it's important to note another ETF, one proposed by the Van Eck SolidX Bitcoin Trust, is still pending a final verdict, rumoured to fall at the latest by mid-August. Aiming to increase their hold on the market, global cryptocurrency titan Coinbase this week took aim at compliance, employing their first ever crypto compliance chief. The appointment of the well-known Jeff Horowitz has sparked interest in the community as to Coinbase's plans into the near future, as the firm looks to become a regulated broker dealer within the United States. Reports this week out of the cryptocurrency hardware manufacturer Bitmain, announcing a net profit of over US $1 billion during the first quarter of this year alone. Renowned for both its industry-leading development and manufacturing of cryptocurrency mining hardware, Bitmain this week has also announced it's in the final stages of formally launching an IPO on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The largely unregulated Wild West that is crypto has showed weakness this week as a mining farm called Sky Mining has supposedly exit scammed investors out of US $35 million. After numerous local police reports to strengthening evidence, the Vietnamese firm's CEO has apparently run off with the funds. Sky Mining has since removed all mining equipment from their premise, leaving investors scratching their heads. And finally, global mobile phone manufacturer HTC has its eyes on the blockchain with its recently announced mobile dubbed the Exodus. Exciting for those in the industry as it not only hosts a native cryptocurrency wallet, the Exodus will also be able to make transactions on the eagerly anticipated Lightning Network. This week HTC announced Litecoin's founder Charlie Lee will be acting as an advisor for the project. And now onto the market wrap-up for the week, a relatively cruisy week for the most part. The overall short-term bullish trend held relatively well, albeit some late-week volatility. Overall market cap has, however, declined 4% from last week, currently sitting at US$285 dollars The most interesting indicator for the week, however, was Bitcoin dominance, continuing its climb from last week to its current 48.5%. The last time BTC dominance climbed this high, it didn't top out until an alt crushing 58%. Price action for Bitcoin has for the most part remained stable, albeit that late week volatility currently priced at US 77.50, this week bitcoin trended between the US 8400 and US 7700 channel. In the face of many alts continued dwindling performance, with 20% weekly price drops common across many of the top 100 coins and a rising bitcoin dominance, many participants are scrambling to bitcoin as their safe haven. Despite the obvious alt lackluster performance, some projects have however Bucked the trend, for example, Ravencoin, a popular project, is up almost 50% in this week alone. And finally, the majors Ethereum, Ripple, Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin have, much like the rest of the market, had a rough one. Down on average 8.32%. And with history suggesting Bitcoin dominance may continue into the interim, this may signal continued alt blood yet to come. And that's all for the weekly wrap-up. I'm Sayed Sadawi, and I'll see you next time.
0: Crypto Watch is presented by TheConstantInvestor.com. Our theme music was written and recorded by Broke for free.